Gentlemen, welcome to the Time Out with Josh podcast. We are one day behind on our podcast right now. Um, and I apologize for that. I went out to uh, pick up my new dog in Colorado. Um, and uh, yesterday we just spent the day getting used to each other and whatnot like that. You guys will probably hear him here in the studio. Um, he's in here with me today. So before we get started on everything, as always, we are still looking for sponsors. Um, I don't care if your business is small. I don't care if your business is large. Um, we want to help you grow um, and uh, and help keep us on the air. So if you know of someone who's looking to sponsor a podcast and get their advertising out there, or if you um, yourself want to do that, please shoot me a message on Instagram at timeoutwithjosh and we will chat it up. Uh, also, if you are if you want to hear a uh, guest on this show, you've got a guest that you want to hear on the show, please send me a list. Our list is starting to grow. We're going to start recording those and getting that down, um, down the line here really soon. So uh, let's dive into this podcast, guys. I hope you guys had a wonderful, wonderful weekend. And uh, you guys have kind of recovered from a little bit of that Thanksgiving, shopping, all that mess. Um, we are going to briefly cover some of this bowl stuff coming up. I messed up some major stuff, man. Holy smokes, did I mess up some stuff with the bowl predictions and some of these NFL games. This was not my week. This wasn't my week in fantasy. This wasn't my week with picks. It was just, it was bad. But let's talk about the bowl schedule really quick, and then we're going to move on to some other stuff because... I know you guys are not here to listen to just football all the fucking time. So, uh, bowl schedule, December, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> December 17th starts the bowl schedule, uh, the Bahamas Bowl. I, I don't even know some of these names. And we're going to talk about that. I'm going to drink some water here. So, if you hear me pause, guys, that's what I'm doing. Some of these, some of these bowls, man. I, I don't even, I don't even understand. But uh, there's 44 motherfucking bowls out there. Everybody, I guess, is gonna get one. If you kind of had an okay semi whatever season, you're gonna be able to be in a bowl. So uh, there's Bahamas Bowl, the Tail Greeter Cure Bowl. I don't even know what the Tail Greeter Cure Bowl is. It sounds like something that belongs to like a dog. It's like. A cure for dogs wagging their fucking tails or something. I don't fucking know. But um, that starts on the 17th, 18th, and you've got a whole bunch of games on Saturday. Um, you've got uh, South Carolina State, you know, people like South Carolina State, Western Kentucky, Appalachian State, Utah, Oregon State, Louisville, Marshall, or uh, Louisiana, I'm sorry, Marshall. Um, and then Monday the 20th, you got the Myrtle Beach Bowl. <sighs> That is going to be a redneck fucking heaven right there. Um, and uh, then, you know, Tuesday, you got a couple of bowl games. Wednesday, you got um, the Armed Forces Bowl, uh, Missouri Army. Uh, Thursday, um, the 23rd, you've got uh, some more, you know, you got two more bowls then. 
Um, my boys play on the 23rd. That's UCF University of Central Florida at Florida or versus Florida um, at the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. Like, seriously, what are we doing with this whole like we've got to have 27,000 names to a bowl thing? Um, my girls team, um, <laughs> joke, she hates them. They play on the 25th. Uh, that's Georgia State. Um, and then you've got, uh, Friday, the 24th, you've got a bowl, uh, 27th, you got some stuff going on 28th. You got some stuff going on. We're starting to get into a little bit better stuff here. Like the ticket smarter Birmingham bowl, which is Houston and Auburn and, and Houston played at the end there against Cincy for some, for some, they were looking for that upset. That's what they were looking for. And, you know, like I said, I mean, it, it could have been one, but no, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, then we got Monday the 27th. We've got uh, we got Eastern Carolina. We've got Boston College, Nevada, Western Michigan playing. No biggie. No biggie. Um, first Responder Bowl, uh, Serpo First Responder Bowl. Uh, like I said, Houston, um, whatnot, playing on the 28th. Uh you got guaranteed rate bowl, stuff like that. The 29th, we're starting to get into it a little bit. Iowa State, Clemson, Oregon, Oklahoma. A little bit higher quality games. Um, and then we start <coughs> really diving in and we start getting some good games. You've got uh, Tennessee and Purdue playing. You've got North Carolina and South Carolina playing, um, which, uh, you know, it's whatever. But the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, Michigan State-Pittsburgh. There we go. There's a good game. I picked Michigan State on that one. Uh, they're playing in Atlanta in the Dome. Uh, I, I picked Michigan State. Um, the 31st, you got the Gator Bowl, Wake Forest and, and Texas A&M. Um, Tony the Tiger Sumble. Again, I don't get it. Um, Washington State-Miami. Uh, you got Barstool Sports First Bowl, um, which is funny. Um, because Barstool Sports is not going to be broadcast. It's only going to be streaming on Barstool Sports. And there's been there's been some some stink about it, but I understand why they're doing it. Good move. Good move, Barstool, on what you're doing there. And then we have the game. The game. Uh, we have two of them uh, that evening. 3.30 on ESPN and then 7.30 on ESPN. And ESPN, the app, you've got... The first one, the Goodyear Cotton Bowl, which is Cincinnati and Alabama. Alabama's going to roll Cincinnati. Cincinnati's going to get rolled up and smashed. Um, I mean, I don't even know, like, why is Cincinnati, why is Cincinnati even, I, again, you guys know how I feel about Cincinnati. You've got teams sitting on the outside, Notre Dame, and uh, Ohio State, Sitting in the five and six spot. Obviously, I still feel that Notre Dame was a better team in than Cincy, but Cincy gets it. They do. They get it because they're undefeated. Okay, I get you. Again, still, I, I think they are the weakest team to make the, to, to make the playoffs in, in a while. There's no question about that. Um, it's just, it's, it's sad. It's weak. Uh, Alabama's going to beat the tar out of them. Um, and then you got Georgia-Michigan. This game, I'm a little bit on the fence on. This one's the one I don't know about. Um, 
I think Georgia beats Michigan. I don't think Michigan is going to be able to handle the Georgia defense after they got rolled by Alabama. Alabama just smoked Georgia's defense. And when I say smoked, I mean smoked Georgia's defense. Georgia had not given up any kind of offensive production like Alabama had against them. Michigan does not have that ability. They have a good offense, but it's not, they don't have that ability. Georgia got smacked around. They got woken up. Georgia is going to beat Michigan. That's my bet. Georgia beats Michigan. Points wise, don't ask me. Spread, don't ask me. I think it's going to be close. I want to say it's going to be, I want to say four and a half. Um, and and I, and I would pick, I would pick, shit, I don't even know. I'd pick the over. Let's just go with that. I, I'm picking the over four and a half. I'm picking the over. I, I don't, I, that's, I, yeah, that's as far as I'm going to go. So I believe Alabama, Georgia again for the championship. I think that's what we're going to end up happening. Um, Alabama, Georgia for the championship, I, I think is what it is. You got Iowa and Kentucky um, on the first. That game is going to be intriguing in my opinion. Um, Arkansas, Penn State, Notre Dame, Oklahoma. I think that's going to be a great game. Um, Ohio State and Utah. Um, I think that's a good consolation prize for Ohio State. <clears throat> they win that one. Uh, the Sugar Bowl, Ole Miss and Baylor. Baylor's going to smoke Ole Miss. Um, that's just going to happen. And then Tuesday the 4th is LSU-Kansas State. I, 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 yeah, it is it is what it is there. And then the National Championship on the 10th, which I think we will see a repeat. I think we're going to see Georgia-Alabama. And if it is Georgia-Alabama, if it is Georgia-Alabama, Alabama wins again. And Alabama is the national champion. If it happens to be Alabama-Michigan, that one I don't know. Alabama's in. They're, they're going to smoke Cincinnati. It's That's a given. But it's that Georgia-Michigan game, man. It's that Georgia-Michigan game. And after after what happened to Georgia by Alabama, it just puts a little bit of that question mark in there. A little bit of that question mark. So there you go, folks. That's what I think is going to happen. <coughs> that's what I think is going down. There's your bowl predictions for the big the big, uh, the big two. Um, and then possibly after that, um, there has been, uh, again, Oklahoma is, is kind of still reeling with players leaving. Um, you've got, uh, a declaration of a head coach now at Notre Dame. Their defensive coordinator is officially their head coach. Um, and that's, that's what's happening, uh, there. So, you know, a little bit of a little bit of unsettling, a little bit of craziness, a little bit of oddness in the college football world. But you know, we're there. We're there. Uh, let's go, let's hop over to the NFL for a second. Again, I got smoked on the NFL. Like one of the big ones. One of the big ones. The fact that the Vikings lost to to Detroit. I mean, I didn't think that was going to happen. I mean, I, you guys heard it here. I, I was wrong. Uh, Patriots. What in the hell? Patriots throw three passes and run away from the bills. They throw three passes and run away. That's it. Remember what I said about Arizona? Um, a while back, I said, Arizona is the team to beat. I said, Arizona is great. They're doing, they're doing phenomenal, phenomenal. Are they the best team in the NFL? Uh, 
yeah, I mean, right now it sure as heck looks like it. Um, I'm loving, loving watching uh, Henneke at Washington football team um, really come into his own. I'm loving watching that. <clears throat> I'm loving watching Tua Tugalovoa um, and, uh, and Jalen Waddle hooking up. That's been a lot of fun. Uh, but let's talk about it. Dallas beats New Orleans. Tampa beats Atlanta. I said that was going to happen. Um, Arizona beat Chicago. I said that was going to happen. Um, I believe that I picked the Chargers over Cincinnati. That happened. I definitely picked uh, the Vikings over Detroit, and that did not happen. I said Indy was going to beat the Tar out of Houston, and they did. Miami beat the Giants. I said that would happen. Um, Philly uh, beat the Jets. Washington beat Las Vegas. I I don't remember what I said with that, but I definitely remember saying that it was going to be a close game. Um, Pittsburgh beat Baltimore. That one I did not pick correctly at all. I said Baltimore was going to beat Pittsburgh. I thought Pittsburgh was having issues, too many issues. KC beat Denver. I said there was there was a way that Denver could beat KC, but didn't think it was going to happen. I picked New England over Buffalo. And the Rams did exactly what I said was going to happen, and they beat Jacksonville. It's just the big ones that I was so confident about, like Minnesota over Detroit. Um, that that just that just kind of jacked my jacked my whole thing up. Um, you know, uh, it, it just, it just kind of, it, yeah, that was bad news. So that's kind of the rundown with that. For those of you who are listening to this, I'm sure you have already seen the scores. I'm sure you've already looked at it. Um, we are now, we're now looking at a situation with, um, you know, you've got, you've got a couple of teams that are sitting at really bad spots for themselves. So, I mean, again, uh, you've got now you've got a whole situation, <coughs> excuse me, with the uh, draft and New York Jets are hanging at three and nine. They're trying not to have the first pick. Uh, Cleveland Browns are six and six. Um, Denver Broncos are six and six. Raiders are six and six. But you've got Houston at two and ten. Jacksonville at two and ten. And the Detroit Lions at one and ten. It's it's a situation where you've got teams now competing for the first draft pick, and uh, man, that is that is interesting. It is really interesting. Best record, best team in the NFL right now is the Arizona Cardinals. They have quietly done work. Um, and they just are just doing their thing. They're going up through the ranks. They're they're beating good teams. They're beating mediocre teams. They're beating teams with strong defenses. They're beating teams with good offenses. They're just they're doing well. They're doing very well. So congratulations to them for their awesomeness and and everything they're doing there. Um, I I, I think they're gonna do great. Um, so you know that's that's uh. That's, I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, it's good. And then we'll go from there. Um, so there's some stuff that's going on in major league baseball. And we're going to talk about that for a quick second. This whole using two baseball things. Um, we kind of mentioned what was going on with the two baseballs. Um, 
you know, with some friends and we kind of talked about it. Basically, there was like a shortage or some bullshit and and they were using two baseballs. And, you know, Major League Baseball is all worried about foreign substances and we're sitting there using two different baseballs. <clears throat> Consistency, y'all. Um, I will say this. Boston Red Sox sent Hunter Renfro to Milwaukee Brewers to get JBJ back and two prospects. <clears throat> That's a huge trade. Um, but it gets huge. Uh, JBJ was a mainstay for us for seven years. Um, great defensive player, gold glover. Um, he, he signed a, a two year deal last season. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was, he's, he, he's great. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for him to come back. So a little, little bit of a uh, little bit of stuff going on there. Um, free agency is, is going to be a free agency is going to be a, a fun one to watch. Like I said before, um, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, the MLB is shut down though. Does it really affect us <clears throat> right now? No, not really. Um, but the MLB is shut down and that's the first time since 1990 that it's happened. Now, again, do I think we're going to be fine? Yeah. I, I don't think the season is at all in jeopardy. Um, there's some stuff that they're trying to negotiate, which, you know, you can always see both sides to everything. It, it's just the way it is. So that's what's going on there. All right, let's skip on to the next subject. Um, rest in peace, Bob Dole. Uh, I mean, I don't care where you stand politically, um, or whatever, but, uh, it's a elder statesman that has passed on. And I will say this, that, um, The the thing that I remember about Bob Dole and the thing that stands out to me the most about him was the picture of him saluting George H.W. Bush's coffin um, at his funeral. And he stood up to salute his coffin. And that kind of that kind of did it. Um, that kind of that kind of did, you know, one of those marks in my brain where it was like, whoa, I mean, wow, this guy's. You know, he, he passed away at 98 years old and uh, he still had the respect enough that even if you disagree with the man or whatever the case may be to stand and salute his, his coffin. So that was that was pretty profound. Now, for for onto a onto a different thing, um, one of the one of the shows that I absolutely enjoy watching and we're going to talk about this for a minute because I think this is cool. Um, one of the shows that I absolutely enjoy, enjoy watching is the Curse of Oak Island. So it's Oak Island, if you guys haven't watched the show, it's on the History Channel. Oak Island's a really small little piece of land off the coast of uh, Nova Scotia in Canada. And there's a legend that, uh, and there's been dozens and dozens and dozens of books and, and topics and documentaries and stuff like that done about this island. But the rumor was that the the remains on that island or the the things that are on that island have been hunted for 200 years and the the people that have been connected to it have been Shakespeare, Marie Antoinette, Captain Kidd, FDR, um and the uh Knights of the Templar and the possibility of it being 
treasure such as the Holy Grail, etc., um, and and the Ark of the Covenant. So something like in the late 1700s, um, uh, there were a couple of guys that um, that went and and tried to you know, hunt the stuff on the island. Um, they, they found a weird spot, like a depression in the ground and it, it made them wonder what was going on. And the, the rumor was, um, that captain kid buried millions of pounds of treasure there and they thought that they hit the jackpot. So they just started digging and they came across something after a while that, and they couldn't dig anymore. Um, and it was a layer of like flagstone, like a, like a, a platform. Right. And then they have the thing, money pit and they, they left these boys leave and they go home and they weren't sure what they were going to find, you know, buried treasure, whatever. But it was named the money pit because obviously money being there, possible money being there. And then, you know, so on and so forth. So it was for, you know, it was left alone until this company comes in and they, they catch wind of, of this potential treasure. I guess these little boys are talking about it and they return to Oak Island and they're, they're back there with some excavation tools and they're taking it serious, you know, <clears throat> a little bit more serious than a couple of teenage boys. After they hit 90 feet, they notice a pattern of logs um, stacked at intervals and this large stone that has like these mysterious symbols on it. And it's like um, an enigmatic stone is basically what it is. And the stone was initially reported in 1862 by this local paper as a, as a stone cut square. Like so two feet long, about a foot thick. And it had characters cut into it. And they had pictures of this thing. So the good thing is they took pictures. The, all, the unfortunate part is that it went missing. Um like nobody knows where that stone is. So they have the pictures and they're trying to figure some of this stuff out. Right now, the money pit remained unsolved of what could possibly be there. Some thought it contained jewels of Marie Antoinette. Others contained, believe that it had manuscripts of William Shakespeare, um, that were Shakespeare plays that were actually written by Francis Bacon. Um, and then, you know, gold and, and stuff like that. Whatever they thought, basically, Treasure Seeker's been looking for this shit for like 200 years. Historians, archaeologists, researchers, everybody's on it. So then this, then, then the big boy, the big boy comes in and this guy named um, William Chapel, he's like one of the most famous researchers, right? He stumbles across a story in a great newspaper, in this old newspaper, and he decides he's gonna, he's gonna, like figure out what this Enigma rock thing says and, and it's the wealth that's below it. So in the, in the 1920s, he travels to Canada and starts leading these ex excavations. Um, he, he continues to explore the uncovered, you know, tools and, and things like that. And he believes that he has come across an ancient digging site. Okay. So they're trying to uncover something. And for years, it only led to more, curiosity and chapel runs out of money and it forces him to give up on his expedition. Now, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I've seen stories about archeologists 
treasure hunters and stuff like that. I mean, we, you know, one of the most infamous ones of our day was, you know, finding the Titanic and the amount of money that has gone into discovering the Titanic or discovering certain shipwrecks. Or even if you guys follow like Blackbeard the Pirate and, and trying to discover his ship and his locations, the amount of money that gets poured into that is unbelievable. And basically, you got to have somebody <clears throat> that has a shit ton of money that's really curious about what you're doing and wants to give you the money to do it. And you get the you know, you get something out of it, obviously. So then, um, the money pit then allured an industrialist, uh, name, I think his last name was Hedden, who wanted to see if he could do any better. And Hedden was rich and powerful. So Hedden had a ton of money and was able to use that, <coughs> his steel company to increase the efforts of the digging. So he had the resources and he had this money, right? Um, he, he believes, he believes that, he consulted with some historians and journalists. They support his opinion that it is Captain Kidd treasure. So the pirate Captain Kidd. He's also convinced that the island's buried treasure is such a big deal that he purchases part of the island. Right? He thinks it's that big of a deal. Because then if he owns it, he owns what's underneath it, right? The mystery gets a little bit deeper with every foot dug by chapel and his activation team, but more clues are found and nothing is determined if there's any real treasure there, right? Chapel did find an anchor in the tunnel that appeared to be about 250 years old. Um, and, and an Acadian ax. He also discovered a miner's pick in sections of an oil lamp. So there's a lot of stuff going on there. He's finding a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff happening. So those artifacts did not get him any closer to the truth though. So with, any treasure that was contained in the so-called money pit. Um, now, some of these items fueled his conviction that something was found there. So he hasn't really found any treasure, but he's definitely found a reason to keep going there and looking for this treasure, right? So the, there's further proof of this. And throughout the history of complex wars and stuff like that, people have always been motivated to hide treasure. And, and what a better place to do it than on this remote little dinko tiny island called Oak Island in Nova Scotia. When you consider that the French Indian and seven year war convinced that, you know, coincided with the island's discovery. So it, it wasn't, it wasn't like an easy place to get to. Even today, it's one of the most, it's one of the furthest points. Um, if you're trying to escape from Europe. It's one of the it's one of the furthest points. Historians backed up the idea that it was it made sense that it actually could have been there. Um, it just it, it just belongs. So coupled with the artifacts and everything like that, everything's starting to look like okay, cool. There's got to be something here. We've got an anchor. We've got some axes. We've got an oil lamp. We've got we've got this weird wood stuff going on. We've got this tunnel thing looking going on. So historians gave further hope that the expedition was was going to give them something. And, and with the knowledge of pirates and a knowledge of history and the golden age of piracy, there was a period that Oak Island was known as a destination for activity there. So why not? Why not bury it there? But at the same token, why Oak Island? The island has a wealth of natural resources. Um, it, it's, it's remote. Um, it, it's also an ideal secret place. There's other stuff around there. So it's not like it just sits out in the middle of nowhere and it's the only island. There's a lot of other stuff going on there um, around that island. It, it's it's 
it's a good it's a good spot, and it, and it's credible, like that riches could be found on that island. Um, but it gets crazier. It, the story gets a little deeper. The stories of the secret treasure on Oak Island reached at that time, not yet, but at that time, not quite the president, but Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And Roosevelt had a keen sense of adventure. I mean, if you guys follow FDR's story and everything like that, this dude, he, he was in everything, right? And, and he joined the old gold salvage group to help them with their search. And they, they went in like 1909 to start digging and start looking. And, and they wanted to find something. But again, the money pit still, the money pit is still elusive. <clears throat> so even though they, those secrets weren't kind of like let known to Roosevelt, he continued to follow developments on Oak Island. So he continues to do this throughout his presidency because he's like really curious, right? Um, he's really curious as to what's happening. He's really curious as to what's going on. Now, in what I have seen of my kind of limited research on Oak Island, not in depth, obviously I've never been there. Um, but just curiosity and, and research on Oak Island and what is going on there. This Island was inhabited by an individual at one point. And they find his artifacts on the island. They find, um, they find, you know, stuff left behind by him and the property that he owned. <coughs> but they found it ironic that this former slave all of a sudden was able to buy a chunk of land and then buy another chunk of land and another chunk of land and just kept buying up land on Oak Island and he, as a former slave. So, you know, there's there's questions that are raised. And, and FDR, throughout his presence, uh, presidency, is, is about that, right? He's still wanting to know what's going on. Now, the tragedies on Oak Island, there's like this curse, right? And there's a curse on Oak Island, supposed curse on Oak Island, that says um, there is, there's some stuff that has to happen before the treasure is found. X amount of people have to die, et cetera, et cetera. So after many years, treasure hunters came out, um, the rest all, uh, father and son, um, they lost their lives on Oak Island tragedy in 1959. When, when he died, um, it was in the shaft. He was suffocated by hydrogen sulfide fumes. Knowing something was wrong. 18 year old son went to look for his father. And, uh, and then on, obviously, um, you know, he passed, uh, Grazer, a friend of the family, and two additional helpers uh, followed suit. The rescue failed. Uh, the deaths of the Rustalls, his son, Gazer, and one other helper. So there's four of them that died in that tragedy. It was a, it was huge. It was a big thing. And they, they actually have a, a, a stone out there, a memorial out there for them. But other families, it didn't it didn't dissuade other families. Now, the Lagina brothers, the Lagina brothers are, are the ones making, uh, I think it's Rick and Marty, Marty and Rick, um, not to be confused with Rick and Morty. Um, 
they want to find the treasure and they don't care how long it's going to take. Now, these guys, they've come along at this point where this treasure is supposedly anywhere. They, they're, they're taking shots in the dark, anywhere between 95 feet and 200 feet deep. There's this, there's this swamp. There's, there's other locations. There's um, side entrances into this thing that have been flooded. There's, there's water, you know, uh, like entrances where it would flood um, through, you know, through the ocean. They think that the swamp may or may not have been created. They believe it's man-made because they have found huge pieces of ship in there and they think that maybe the ship was brought in and sunk there and then they created the swamp they have found a road they found artifacts from people that have lived there all the way up into you know this 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 wharf um that was created that they believe was used to offload the ship um it's just crazy so they for years they've dug through this island um when I say dug through, guys, I'm not joking. If you haven't watched this show, it is intense. The amount of digging they've done. Now, don't get me wrong, y'all. Don't get me wrong. It is a history channel. It's a docu-series. Um, they, they sensationalize things. They get, they, you know, they keep you there. They keep you there. Um, <laughs> they keep you watching. There's no question. But these guys have have faced a lot of obstacles. They've, they've gone on trips to the middle east they've gone to europe to track down possibilities of it coming um to oak island based on clues they've gotten from oak island they've been all over canada they've been i mean these guys are in north america and they come into canada um canada has has increasingly gotten more and more regulatory with them um which made it their progress slow down um they have to have archaeologists there for everything and then they had to have paperwork and then they basically had to have they had to have paperwork to be able to uh if they metal detected they'd have to mark the spot then have to inform people that the spot was there and then it would have to come back with an archaeologist it, it was just nuts it's just nuts and they could be digging up literally they could be digging up an old coke can but it didn't matter but recently it appears that they've made some headway all right, they, they've kind of, like I said, they've run up against stuff and that looks like they have made some headway. So what did they, what did they find? So from a young age, the, the brothers are like really curious and fascinated by the concept of buried pre- treasure. They have some spinoff shows about buried treasure and stuff like that, but they grew up on the stories of Oak Island and they got older and they're like, we're doing this. All right. And, and. I don't know about you guys. Again, if you've watched this show, you just kind of have to like these guys. They're just cool dudes, right? So Rick Laguna made his first discovery at age of 10, and then it fast-tracked him into the world of treasure hunting. Rick continued to learn the skills necessary for the job, so he could focus entirely on his dream, which was their dream is Oak Island. And in 2006, um, they decided to focus all their efforts on Oak Island, and they, they went into the history they devoured everything they possibly could. They in like they have <clears throat> interviewed everyone possibly um, that they could have. They've used everything, every resource, um, which has now gone to you know their children and and people coming in from all over the world to help them. The siblings bought half of the Oak Island Tour Company. 
that's not only gave them ownership of the land, but also secured the right to half of any of the treasure that's found. And the other half is still owned by the Blankenship clan. And the Blankenships are, are the OG treasure hunters there, okay? And, and you can see <coughs> in the show, you'll see the Blankenships come up. They're there all the time. And Oak Island has its own curse, like I said, right? So the legend reveals that Oak Island will be unlocked when seven people give up their lives for the quest. In about 100 years or so, six people have died. Like I said before, they died searching for this treasure despite the huge expense and the toil and the toll and the loss of life. The Lagina brothers still go on. So the deaths that happened, there was an unknown death in 1861. Um, Maynard Kaiser in 1897, Robert Restall and senior and junior in 65 and um, the two people that went to help him both in 65. So could it be, that's the thing, that's that's kind of what the History Channel harps on a little bit, but could it be that one more has to die, right? Um, so one of the things that they, they had a breakthrough on is um, some copper, it's uh, uh, 17th century Spanish copper coin. Now, how the hell does a 17th century Spanish copper coin show up on an island just randomly, right? It doesn't just wash up into the middle. And it, and it was found in the swamp. So it's not like it was found on the coast. Um, so that was that was huge. And they were certain that if there was one, there's 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 got to be more, right? You're not just going to have somebody drop a coin. Um, so they got excited. They, they go after it. And then... During its third season, they make a un, like unreal discovery that they didn't think they were going to be making. They drain the swamp area. They expect to spy, find more Spanish coins, and instead, instead they find a Roman sword and other ancient artifacts. So, if it's really a Roman sword, is it proof that there's? like massive, massive historical discovery to it, right? So they start to keep going. And I know I'm giving you guys kind of a long synopsis here, but this is a lot better than watching some 15 seasons of this, all right? And so this will prove that, that this has been there and that possibly the Romans traveled to America thousands of years before, you know, North America, thousands of years before what we think it was discovered, even before the pirates, way before Christopher Columbus. And what does that mean about the money pit, right? So the money pit is now thought to have 17th century Spanish coins, Roman artifacts, and even the Knights Templar secrets. So there's a book that came out called the, uh, and I've read this one, The Templar's Mission to Oak Island and Beyond. And in that book, this lady, Zen Halpern, the author, um, expresses her beliefs regarding the money pit. And, and she actually talks to the guys on the show about it. And she was able to duplicate a French map from the 17th century, which pointed to great treasure on Oak Island. So there's a map from the 17th, a French map from the 17th century that's pointing to Oak Island having great treasure on it. And there's words like a hatch, an anchor, a valve, um, implied as a gateway to the buried treasure. It also has like some stuff in there about the idea that hidden treasure may have actually originated from Africa. And if you know anything about Africa that contains Egypt, and now we're talking about stuff 
that could possibly tie into biblical historical facts too as well right so if you read the book it's very interesting but she the thing is is again going back to what i was talking about before there was an anchor that was found the valves there was uh there's these these waterways that were in the ocean that they discovered that would have caused flooding inside of <coughs> the money pit um because when they drill down obviously you hit water table and everything like that but when they drill down they're drilling through areas that they believe are mapped out that are like a, a trap. So if somebody were to go in there and not disassemble this trap properly, it would flood the money pit and you wouldn't be able to get anything. But it was up until that point believed that it was sealed completely um, based on these, on these tunnels that go down to what they believe is what's referred to as the treasure vault on the vault room. So they have this vault room, they have these tunnels, and if somebody went into the tunnels wrong or breached them wrong, then it would flood with ocean water. And then right at the very beginning, remember I was talking about how the boys stopped at this like plateau thing, right? And so we're done. So the 17th century map, she recreates it based off this crude drawing. She recreates it. And okay, is it is it going to help these, these brothers? So uncovering the secrets has become really really huge now we're talking about a serious serious operation these guys went from okay we got some bulldozers and stuff to like we need to go to the next level and they reached out and expanded their treasure hunting relationship to dan and david blankenship the blankenships that own remember on half the island and craig tester and they make a powerful combination and they're taking this to the next level because of the knowledge the experience the knowledge the the just everything right um, so 200 years ago, the, the name, the money pit was coined and these, you know, these boys, these three young boys start this, this trip. And now, you know, it's gone from some, from shovels and pickaxes to crude, you know, heavy equipment to now high, high, high level technology. And this, this new team member, Gary Drayton is known in his expertise as he is known as like a premier level metal detection person. He's published books on it. He's had many expeditions and he's going to bring in his metal detecting equipment. And when they, when he joins the team, um, he, he just gets along with the Logina brothers, like nobody's business. Um, and, and they're, they're in Smith's Cove. They're looking for stuff. And, and they're going on from there, right? And then Dan Blankenship's already racked up 50 years of this drilling. He takes his experience, gives it to them, this knowledge, you know, everything's everything's solid. David Blankenship sadly suffers from an unfortunate accident 30 years ago, but it did not deter him from continuing his battle to unlock the secrets. David lives an active lifestyle and everything and hunting for the treasure and, and they, they're, they're dedicated to it. So these guys are in it just as much as the Lagina brothers. And they're looking at trying to find these answers. Um, David relocated his family from Florida 50 years ago um, to spend his life searching for this. So they've, they've, they've gone in deep, right? So now as technology has moved forward, 
and and they've they've gotten new information they undercover the the woodline shafts to the money pit this is what i was talking about like these shafts where they would flood if they weren't taken care of properly and they were thought to be constructed in the early 19th century and it was built by the finders of the uh, well they concluded that it was built by the original finders of the money pit in a very first hunt for the island's treasure right so does it mean that the treasure is there or is it gone so the money pit would flood if it wasn't entered properly. These shafts are built. The shafts get flooded because of that. <clears throat> and then they turn up what they believe to be a piece from an ancient book or a binder. And it's like this leather piece of paper or this leather cloth, right? And they, they determine that it was for a book, not a shoe or anything like that. And holy smokes. Now we're talking about manuscripts. Now we're talking about this whole like Shakespeare's writings thing and all sorts of stuff like that. But it only creates more questions. So the evidence is now pointing more and more with the uh, there's a piece of parchment. There's a um, that was made from like animal skin and it had medieval markings on it. Um, they have like dots and medieval markings. So they're, they're getting more and more involved. Um and they, they believe that it could have been something originally. It was believed that it that it could have been something that, that could have unlocked um, the secrets of the treasure or the money pit, right? So they continue to evacuate. It becomes clear that the money pit is deeper than anybody thought it was before. It's way deeper. Like how in the world could anybody back in that day dig something that deep? Well, you know, how the hell did the Egyptians make the pyramids? they're inventive people but every time the toll the hole was drained by prior previous explorers it magically refills so they start using high-tech machinery to to get down to it and they're using you know insane stuff insane stuff um but the problem is is like the water that's going in there is salt water and how is that salt water going to affect the buried treasure? You know, we're talking about gold, copper, parchment papers, things like that. How is that going to do that? The team does, though, however, find a human bone in the money pit. And it belonged to a person originally from the Middle East. And thank God for technology, they can figure that out. So how did it get that far away? And why was it in the money pit? And the brothers then go back around to the Knights Templar explanation. Could it be a Mideastern uh, bone? It, and it comes up that it's a Mideastern bone. Well, does that support the Knights Templar were there? Which makes the treasure incredibly old. Because what did they bury? And if you understand, and I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of the Knights Templar, but if you study the Knights Templar and you read about the Knights Templar, they were the protectors. That's what they were. It was protectors. They were treasure hunters. <clears throat> and they were protectors of tr of valuable treasure is the, is the best way to put it. So they would want to hide this. So when asked about the bone, when when they when they asked about the bone, Marty's, Marty is saying that the evidence suggests that something's a lot stranger or odd prior to 1795 on that island 
and and it and it could be like a hundred years old or a hundred years older than that. But what does it mean for them though? So I mean, are they getting led astray? Are they? I mean, it's just they're going everywhere. They're finding Spanish gold. They're finding Roman swords. They're finding bone from the Middle East. It's just getting crazy. But did they under did they uncover something way more important? Now, this is the surprising part. There's another big one. They find a lead cross with a square hole in the top of it. And that traces back to the 12 to 1600s all the way back. And and it it puts into serious question whether Christopher Columbus was the first to travel to the American shores. Keep in mind, pirates were back and forth on the southern American shores, like in New Orleans and whatnot like that. But we're talking about the eastern coast how in the world did something from the 12 to 1600s end up in Oak Island? The Knights Templar have inspired a wealth of research, um, you know, books, movies, all sorts of stuff like that. But the brothers suspect that they, in, they did make it to Oak Island and use the money pit to hide their treasure and secrets there. If you follow some of their symbolisms and things like that, it made sense. It was founded by the Pope in 11, uh, 1119, 1119 is what I was about to say, but it was, a, the Templar was founded by the Pope in 1119 and it, and they came from all over Europe and the Middle East. And so this is, this is making sense now, just how this lead, uh, how this lead cross could be traced back to the Knights Templar was a huge debate. So the lady that I was talking about, Halpern, Zena Halpern, that wrote that book and, and created the map or re, recreated the map, believed that the artifact was not actually a cross, but a symbol of the uh, Fuenic goddess Tanit. And she believes that the Templars may have worshipped Tanit in, Tanit in secret. Um, and they, they, kind of, they kind of went along with that and they, they started looking at... at possibility of the Knights Templar having these these um symbols in the Middle East and it was supported by other research that the Templars were part of a demon worshiping cult. Bear with me here for a second. Their dark peace, right? So if you think about it, this could be turning not only history on its head as far as who discovered the new world, etc etc. But now we're, we're now we're looking at the Knights Templar being a bunch of cult worshiping people. So was the lead hiding gold beneath it? That's a big thing. Um, historically, lead was used to smuggle gold because they were equally as heavy. So you know they this is this is starting to get interesting. So the theory that the cross itself um, was a leg casing and merely a device to hide the gold beneath it was an exciting prospect for that, right? If the smugglers had, had gone to Oak Island with, to hide their gold treasure, the wealth of treasure that could be be down there had hidden in lead could be nuts, right? So they're excited to unearth this, this precious gem. They find a rhodolite garnet, a pink purple you know, like gemstone. They find that. 
and they're like, holy cow, this is starting to get weird. This is starting to get serious. The gym, um, they figured out was four to 500 years old. And it was, and, but that gym is found in various parts of the world, like Sri Lanka, India, North America, it, but it's mostly found in Africa. So it's thought that it, it made its way across from Africa because they're starting to kind of connect these clues, right? And, and the ships transporting that treasure um, to Oak Island, like, did that happen four to 500 plus years ago? Now, the legend of Marie Antoinette is where this one ties in. And her hidden treasure, because I mean, you think about it, it's a, it's a beautiful, like gemstone. Um, he believes that it's, you know, Gary Drayton believed that the gem was to be five, you know, around 500 years old. It's associated with, uh, you know, it's possible that it could be associated with a stone that's even older, um, with Egyptians and Romans were the ones that used it in, in like ceremonial religious activity, but Nonetheless, the gem is clearly precious, right? It is a precious gemstone. Now, for 200 years, somebody's been digging up treasure on Oak Island. The evacuations have led to like some artifacts and stuff, but they're not leading to stuff that's like this. Now, the major questions about this are, again, like I said, are the Holy Grail there? The truth about Shakespeare's plays. Marie Antoinette's gems, the treasure of Captain Kidd, the Knights Templar riches now are added into it. And all these have one, excuse me, one thread in common. And that is Oak Island. Now the money pit, um, if you're, if you're thinking about feet, like the crude drawings before, if you're thinking about feet and the crude drawings, the layer of stone went down five to 10 feet. Then there was an Oak platform between 10 and 30 feet. And then there's the tide level. And then there was oak platforms alternating <coughs> every 20 feet down in the money pit. And then they found this uh, all the way down to about 80 to 90 feet. And right at about 90 feet, they find this stone, right? This weird stone with this message on it. And then they find chests with loose metals in it on the platform. And that's around 100 feet. And then in between 100 and 150 feet, there's this high tunnel and a low tunnel to the shore. And that's where they believe that... The um, that the the prior explorers were trying to come into right, and then you have the oak chest with this like cement stuff going on, and and this iron plate around 150 to 170 feet. The iron plate's at about 170 feet, and then there's a bunch of water, and they're wondering and they think that around 212 feet, they believe that there's a chest. They found something there. They've 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 hit certain things that have clued them into something being there, and this this water, right? And then there's this like stream that's underneath that level. But how how in the world can a location steeped in such wealth of mystery have nothing to show beneath the surface? Like, why is there so much stuff going on that points to something being there? And yet they still haven't really found anything. So the pirates were known to travel to far away untouched places to bury treasure. They never buried stuff near at home. And they believe that Sir, um, the Laguna brothers had a theory that the money pit contained like treasure of Sir Fan Francis Drake. 
Drake was notorious for his skill in traversing ocean. That's what he was known for. If you read about pirates, this dude could do it. He had a team that was capable of engineering the money pit. He was, you know, he, he was good and he could have a safe place for massive loot. Um, and so that's why the, that's why the Spanish coins and the sword and stuff like that kind of like run together because they're like, wait, pirates would have buried this there. Pirates loot ships, ships travel from all over the world. They grab stuff, right? So is this truly just a huge Trevor tre treasure trove of pirate bound booty? It was not a gigantic leap to think that this infamous pirate had put his, his, his stuff there because of that. Now, one of the Legino brothers colleagues, Doug Crowell, made an important discovery. He found six pages from a ship's log detailing the plan to keep its treasure safe. And one log entry reads this, and I'm going to quote this. It reads this. It has been agreed that a deep pit be dug and treasure securely buried and the pit to have a secret entrance by a tunnel from the shore. Remember what I was saying, the tunnels on the shore. Now they're like, oh shit, maybe these aren't, these aren't tunnels that were, dug by treasure seekers, but tunnels that were dug to bury treasure, right? Could they be pointing towards the same tunnel that was responsible for refilling the pit every time it was drained? So it was from the shore. Could it be responsible for that? Now, after years of digging, turning over very little and, and not really finding much, it was, it's going to hit your morale, right? <coughs> so the Gina brothers are all about keeping, um, keeping the morale up and they have these like board meeting things and they talk about the treasures and they talk about the artifacts and they talk about what they found and everything like that to keep the mood up because you're, you're coming up head to head with some pretty crazy stuff. The positive mood is captured in, in, in the show repeatedly where they're giving each other high fives and, and it's really, really cool, right? It's really cool. Now they're starting to get a whiff of some real treasure here. All right. They found this, this found this treasure, this, this stone, and they're, they're starting to get, you know, they're seeing like video footage of like possible gold flecks and stuff like that in the wall when they've dropped video down there. Um, they've found coins. Now they're finding all sorts of crazy stuff and they're, they're, they're moving forward. They're, they're getting, they're getting some traction, right? And now they're starting to evacuate, um, like full on evacuate areas and they're, they're pulling up, they're pulling up stuff and they're, they're doing it with like this, um, in the swamp, they're doing it with like the, a makeshift wall, a, a seawall where they've drained it and they can search in the, in the coastline and in the swamp, they've drained the swamp. They're starting to drop these caissons down in the ground. They're doing like, um, core testing basically. And they're pulling up the cores and they're looking through the cores on stuff. So, when they're looking through the mud and the sediment, they come across this U-shaped structure. And after looking through the rubble with metal detectors, they discover a, a, a gold-colored coin. And this is what they're looking for. For years, they've been looking for this. And it looks like it dated back initially to the 1700s, which placed the coin around the, the time of the treasure, right? And is it a part of the treasure? So the they they're getting their hopes high. Right. And they're, they're coming, they're getting highs and lows on this. And, and they've come to this point where with the evacuation team, they, they find some incredible artifacts. And this is around like the middle of like the seventh season or so. And they're, they're finding the flood tunnel that leads to the money pit. 
and we get up to last year. 2019 was disappointing for the tunnels. Um, and, and that was like two, I think that's the yeah seventh season or so. So I was kind of exaggerating with the whole 15 seasons thing, but it's like the seventh season or so is like 2019. They, and part of it aired in 20, but 2020 messed up stuff, obviously. And they discovered artifacts that they believe, um, held secrets to finding this treasure. Unexpectedly, they dug up potential uh, ship slipway to transfer cargo from the sand instead of, the, uh, instead of soil. So, which indicates handmade flood tunnels and the tools and like the the uh, nails and stuff to make them. So, could the ship have transferred treasure instead of cargo? You know, so they have the slipway, they're finding the ship, they find all this other stuff. So, are they going to find the treasure? And that's the biggest thing. Like they're finding this wharf. They're finding the slipway. They're finding all this stuff. This is crazy. I don't know about you guys, but I've gotten like super roped into it and, 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 and kind of like not wanting it to end, but at the same time, wanting it to end, if that makes sense. I don't know about you guys, but that's just me. All right. So we've talked about that treasure. That's what's, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'm going to stay on it and I will update you guys. I'll keep you, keep you guys updated. We're going to have um, some more shows along this lines because I enjoy history and whatnot like that. We're going to be talking to some, some paranormal investigators and whatnot and some historical investigators on some stuff because this is cool stuff. I don't know about you guys. I enjoy it. Um, it's cool stuff. As always, if you guys have a subject you would like me to talk about or discuss on the show, please shoot me a message on my Instagram, Time Out with Josh. Um, shoot me a message on something you want to hear about. Um, I appreciate you guys being here today. Thank you for listening. And uh, again, like I said in the beginning, we're looking for sponsors. We can add your name in the middle to the beginning or the end of the show. Um, and we will we will talk about you and how awesome your products are and your services, etc. Again, this has been the Time Out with Josh podcast. You guys are fucking incredible. Have a outstanding day and I will see you guys in a couple of days.